0: Sure as God made green apples, someday the Chicago Cubs are going to be in the World Series, and maybe sooner than we think. Is he alive? This is going to be. What's going on, Cubs fans? I am Sean Sears, and welcome to another episode of Lockdown Cubs, part of the Lockdown Network, your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Lockdown sent you. The Cubs beat the Royals 6-1, clinching a series win with one more game to go in Kansas City. Darvish threw another quality start for the Cubs, and some key bats from Rizzo, Baez, Brian Contreras, you a know, have some excellent base running from Bryant and Victor Carantini really kind of sealed the deal for the Cubs as they were able to win six to one and Cruz past the Royals Wednesday night. We'll recap the game in the first segment and then preview the final game of this four game set in the second segment. Plus some, some interesting news or ways, I guess, however you want to look at it. Gordon Whitmire has an interesting take on Jose Quintana and what he can do when he returns while also helping Craig Kimbrell. I mean, I'm here for it. I don't know about you guys, but uh, today's episode is brought to you in partnership with CubsInsider.com. Head to CubsInsider.com to see how Javi Baez acknowledged his mistake on the bloop single yesterday that Twitter seemed to chastise him for and how David Ross won't nitpick guys playing their butt off. Read about that and more at CubsInsider.com, official partner of Lockdown Cubs. You can get Lockdown Cubs on whatever podcast app you use. Make sure when you get into your car, you tell your smart device to play the most recent episode of Lockdown Cubs. Then make sure you follow us on Twitter at Lockdown Cubs. You can follow me on Twitter at Sean R. Sears. So here in this first segment, as I mentioned, Cubs beat the Royals six to one. It's their six straight win, six straight quality start. I don't think that's <laughs> uh just a coincidence obviously the pitching has been really good for the Cubs particularly with their starting pitching um but the bullpen looked okay as well last night uh you Darvish on the mound seven innings five hits one earned run one walk and four strikeouts he lowers his ERA to 2.12 on the season uh Jeremy Jeffers gets his third hole of the year just one inning of work and one strikeout and then Colin Rea was able to finish this out with two strikeouts at the end of that game so Impressive showing from Darvish, and then as well as the bullpen holding things together against the Royals. On the opposite end, it was Chris Bubich, uh, six innings, four hits, two earned runs, two walks, six strikeouts. He did strike out three consecutive batters against the Cubs for a bit. He's got some nasty breaking balls coming from the left side, but the Cubs did the majority of their damage against Ian Kennedy. He allowed uh, three, or excuse me, two earned runs and just on three hits off of two and a third inning, or excuse me two-thirds of an inning of work with just one strikeout. Uh, Cubs were able to t- pick apart the bullpen after kind of being a little kind of thrown off here by Chris Bubick. There was a l- few plays that the Cubs probably should have taken advantage of that didn't just quite work their way. One of them was a bloop single from Javier Baez. We'll talk about that later on in this game. But let's go through the scoring. So held scoreless, Chris, Chris Bubich and Yu Darvish pitching really well. But it was the bottom of the third inning when Whit Merrifield grounded uh, into a double play that allowed Mikel Franco to score after he scorched a double to left field. He has 12 hits on the season, apparently nine of them extra base hits. Mikel Franco looking like a great pickup for the Royals so far, but he's able to get on base. Nicky Lopez, a Naperville Central kid, actually, the local kid, hit a single into right field, and that was allowed, allowed Whit Merrifield, who grounded the double play, to at least bring Mikel Franco home. Royals take a 1-0 lead in the bottom of the third. Top of the fourth, the Cubs get that run back. Chris Bryant singles in the right field. Anthony Rizzo walks, and then Javier Baez hits a single. Pop up behind first base, just barely fair. It was kind of shallow right field. Um, he kind of looked at it from the box. He didn't, I don't think, expect it to kind of land fair until he saw the second base Whit Merrifield chasing after the ball, and that was when he hustled out of the box. Uh, Bryant was able to score in the play. Rizzo moves to third. Bias probably should have gotten to second had he hustled out of the box, but didn't quite think that ball was going to land fair. It just barely did land fair. He gets a single, he drives in the first run of the game, the Cubs up or tie the game at one apiece. Wilson Contreras then grounds into double play, Rizzo's able to score, but the Cubs take a 2-1 lead top of the 4th. Squandering a chance a little bit, but hard to get mad at. It's hard to get pissed off at at Javier Baez when that guy just does so many incredible things on a baseball field on a consistent basis. To pick him apart for this, I think, was really unfair. But top of the eighth, Javier Baez makes up for it with a single in the right field. Bryant scores on the play after Chris Bryant reached on a throwing error and then went from first to third on a single to Anthony Rizzo once again. It was the second time he went first to third in this game. Uh, Baez able to score. Bryant. Cubs take a Three to one lead. And then Wilson Contreras following this all with two outs, by the way. Uh, He's able to hit a line drive single in the right field. Rizzo scores in the play. Baez moves up to third. Cubs leading 4-1. Top of the ninth after Jeremy Jeffers goes 1-2-3 against the Royals. Top of the ninth, it is Victor Carantini hits a single in the right field. Ian Happ scores after he smoked a double. Coming in late in this game as a defensive replacement, Chris Bryant follows that up with a single into right field. Carantini scores on the play from first to home, incredible run from uh, Victor Carantini. Who uh, Whit Merrifield moved into center field and misplayed the ball, it allowed Carantini to get to third, and then he was waved home. And a headfirst slide, he scores on the play. Bryant moves up to second. Cubs now up six one. So. Bottom of the ninth, it's Colin Rea. He steps in after allowing Jorge, to, uh, geez, Jorge Soler to reach on an air. He's able to go 1 2 3 against Ryan O'Heary, Salvador Perez, and Alex Gordon, getting O'Heary and Gordon to strike out and this game. Cubs win 6 1. They take three of the first three of this series against the Royals to finish out tomorrow. So, big win, as we talked about Chris Bryant, Anthony Rizzo. Javier Baez in the mix of everything here today. Uh, Bryant and Rizzo both scored two runs, uh, Baez smacked in two runs as well. Uh, great performance here from the middle of the lineup. That was nice to see. We've seen a lot of contribution throughout the lineup, but it was a, it was a great showing to see that the, the Cubs, three big bats in the top of their lineup really started producing, especially with Rizzo and Bryant getting on base more. Those guys are scoring. It feels like every time they get on base, that's huge. Uh Talking about Baez's blunder here in that bloop single, he talked about it afterwards during the game, and admitted made it to David Ross that he just, you know, just couldn't quite figure out where that ball was. Um, didn't expect it to land fair. It is what it is. But had he hustled out of the box, he probably would have made that into a double and avoided that ground out double play. Could have extended that inning. But either way, um, You know, it is what it is. He knew it wasn't quite the right play, but I don't think anyone expected that to land fair besides maybe Whit Merrifield. (laughs) Uh, But David Ross spoke out about that and saying he's not going to be the type of manager that nitpicks everything. These guys are playing their butt off every single night for me and for this group. Uh if I felt they were dogging it, we'd have a conversation, but I feel like that's a play We may he may have assumed it was foul. Ross admitted to it was hard to tell from the dugout, from where they were standing. Like It looked like it was going to go foul, but he's not going to pick apart these guys here. And is talking about it later, said, I bust my ass every play, every day to play hard. I don't think anybody plays this game harder than me. I respect the game. I respect whatever, but you don't go out there and trash talk about someone. I have a lot of things I could say right now, but I don't control what's, got, what's out there and what people talk about with me. And I, I think that's completely fair. It's kind of ridiculous that, you know, buys is going to get kind of thrown under the bus here. That's a quote, by the way, from uh, 2018 after Clint Hurl was complaining about buys who tossed his bat after he popped out at a game in Pittsburgh in 2018. Um, yeah. I think that's about exactly what Javier Baez is. I mean, if anyone's going to come to question her, like I saw people on Twitter being like, oh, he's a clown, blah, blah, blah. You know, why would he do that? It's like, did you not see the incredible tag he made? Or how about the run that he drove in on that play still? Or the run he drove in later? Or the home runs he smashed earlier in this year? Or just like, I don't know, Google Javier Baez and find incredible plays he's made throughout his time with the Cubs. Like, I think it's silly to look at this and be like, oh, Javier Baez doesn't care, just stupid. Just a meatball take. If you're going to complain about something like that, just get the hell out of here. So, but on the season, the Cubs 10 and two now a four and a half game lead over the Brewers and Cardinals. Uh, And people are kind of not really giving Cubs the credit that they're due. Uh, They have played a week schedule. Obviously the pirates Royals aren't necessarily great teams. Um, Brewers and Cardinals haven't played much. There really hasn't been much of a competition in the division, but regardless, the Cubs have won the games and series that they should have won. They've played well. They're showing right now, being the only team in the NL Central with a winning record at the moment, uh, that they are the best team in this division right now. I hope that continues. Obviously, things are going to get a little bit more challenging as the season goes on. They're not going to continue to face the Royals and Pirates as they get ready to face off with the Cardinals this weekend and the Indians shortly following. So, you know, these are better teams. Cleveland seven and six, obviously, St. Louis two and three, only playing five games so far. Uh, that'll change this weekend, but. You know, as as Jim Deshays put it on a broadcast earlier this week, you know, you can only play the schedule you're, you're given. And right now the Cubs have won the majority of those games, and they probably should have because they are a better team. But even still, you look at the performances that they're getting out of this. This is still really good starting pitching. This is still a great productive offense right now. That's still even in difficult moments when they are facing pitchers that are tough, finding ways to grind at bats and get wins. Uh, I don't think you need to point to the schedule and be like, oh, well, you know, we don't know yet. I, this team's good. This is a good team. Are they a great team? We don't quite know. I still think the Dodgers are probably better in the National League. Uh, the Padres are scoring a lot of runs right now. Colorado's 8-3 and three for some reason. I don't think that's going to continue for much longer. Um, Atlanta's got a talented team. Washington just got back Juan, so- Juan Soto. Like Things can change dramatically, we've seen. like Things are going really well for the Cubs. They're playing good. I don't think you necessarily need to be like, oh, well, you know, there's a downturn coming. That's ridiculous. But, you know, this team is playing well. It's hard to pick apart anything besides the bullpen really right now. So you hope for trends. And even that we're seeing the bullpen getting better as Ross is figuring out who he needs to go to. So we'll actually talk a little bit more about the bullpen here in the second segment, as well as touch on some of the things the Cubs have done really, really well this year. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it is now impossible to stock all the parts you need in a traditional chain storefront. Winder, often pointless or seemingly intimidating, questioning and why wait while the counterman orders the parts on his computer, choosing the only brands his warehouse happens to carry. You have computers and access to Autorock.com at home in your pocket. Autorock.com is a family-owned business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to autorock.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake pads to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in an easy few clicks delivered directly to your door. Best of all, prices at RockAuto.com are always reliably low and the same for the professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to autorock.com right now and see all the parts available for your car and truck. Right, locked on in the How Did You Hear About Us box so you know who sent you? It's us. <laughs> Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. All right, here in the second segment, before we get started, make sure you're following us on Twitter at LockedOnCubs. You can follow me on Twitter at Sean R. Sears. And then make sure you're checking out the On Network. We've got plenty of Chicago sister stations covering the Blackhawks, Bulls, Bears, White Sox. Uh, any team you can really think of. There are some college teams, obviously getting covered. Notre Dame, Illinois, things like that. But we've also got a ton of really cool baseball pros or baseball podcasts coming up. Our Prospect Podcast is one of them. We've got our Locked On Fantasy Show, and of course, Locked On MLB hosted by Sully Paul Francis Sullivan here. So a ton of baseball content here at Locked On Network. So make sure you're checking that out as well. But some news to get through here. The Cubs did option Justin Steele and Rex Brothers, two lefty relievers, back to South Bend as the roster number decreases from 30 to 28. It will eventually go down to 26. Uh, So two more roster spots available for the Cubs for the next two weeks. Those will drop down and then they will be back to twenty six. But per not per Bob Nightingale, the Marlins have apparently lowered their odds to win the World Series from two hundred and fifty to one to one hundred and twenty five to one. They are currently leading the NL East right now because of teams not playing at the moment. Um, but the Yankees are still favored at ninety two. The Dodgers five and one. Twins ten to one. Atlanta fifteen to one. White Sox fifteen to one. Astros fifteen to one. Rays fifteen to one. And the Cubs sixteen to one. So obviously the Cubs have. Outside of the Dodgers, the highest chance of getting into the, the World Series right now. And, you know, odds don't really mean anything, but at least the Cubs are making believers out of Vegas at least for the moment, right now for the lines. So that's nice to see. The Cubs are tied with the Dodgers at with 28 runs scored in the seventh inning or later this season. The Cubs have 11 home runs and 949 OPS in the seventh or later, which leads the major leagues. So the Cubs are hitting when it really does matter and getting those insurance runs. It seems like every time they need a couple more runs, they've been able to do that late in games. And that's huge. Um, you know, obviously competition does dictate that stat a little bit more than, you know, others, but even still, obviously, if you're facing top relievers coming into these moments to do exactly, you know, to shut down, your team, and you're able to find ways to score in those moments. Regardless, it's still high pressure. It's still stressful moments. It doesn't matter who you're facing. These are still major league players and guys that can, you know, mow you down if you let them. So we're seeing the Cubs take some really good at-bats later in games, which is nice. According to Elias, the Cubs' 195 ERA for starters is the lowest through the first 12 games of the season since 1985, when Ed Hartick's rotation allowed 45 hits and 16 runs allowed – the mo- the fewest in 12 games since 1901 which is nuts so the cubs have the lowest era this is kind of a weird stat but the lowest era in the first 12 games since 1985 and the only one better right now would be Ed hartick's rotation who allowed just 45 hits and 16 runs and their first 12 games which happened in 1901 so Cubs right now are on a historic start for their starters, which is not surprising. We've got six straight quality starts coming out of this group. They're pitching well. So, and that's kind of asking the question then what happens with Jose Quintana? Gord Whitmire had an idea. He floated an idea that Quintana could be best used to help fix the bullpen issues that the Cubs are having and maybe help Craig Kimber out a little bit as well. I think you could maybe consider using Quintana as an opener. At certain times, now the starters have pitched well, so I don't think you necessarily want to take starts away from him at the moment. But for a guy maybe like John Lester, maybe you just give him four or five innings and then let Quintana take care of the rest. That could be an option. I know people are thinking about maybe trading Quintana. I don't really know what the market's going to look like, and it's going to be hard for teams to decide if they're buyers or sellers, I think, at the end of August with so much still able to change. Um, I think the Cubs handle uh, hang on to Quintana. And unless they get some great deal for him, I think he probably probably provides more value for the Cubs now than he would another club at the moment. So, Um, But should Tyler Chatwood pitch seven innings tonight against Kansas City, it would mark the first time that Cubs starters have pitched at least seven innings in four consecutive games versus the same team. The last time it happened was in 2014 when uh, Travis Wood, Jason Hamill, Jeff Samarja, and (laughs) Edwin Jackson all managed to go seven innings against the Diamondbacks back in 2014. Wow. That's kind of cool. But uh, back to the Quintana idea, I – I'm interested. I don't know if he necessarily fixed the bullpen. I don't know if he has this stuff to be bullpen guy. Now he does very much end up being a two pitch strike thrower. I guess you could say with his fastball curveball, the changeup and sinker aren't really real options for him a lot of times. And he seems to have a tough time commanding the changeup on a regular basis. So maybe that is something you consider with him. I don't, I don't know. I, I, I personally think he, he, you find a way to utilize him as a starter. I don't think you look at him as like an inning or two lefty, um, but you know, if he's going to be on this roster and Alec Mills and Tyler Chatwood are going to pitch the way they're, they've are they been pitching, it's going to be hard to have Quintana unseat them. So, And then Craig Kimbrell's struggles, he admitted in a uh, Sahadev Sharma article about how he knows, you know, it's no secret that I've struggled my first couple outings, Kimbrell said. I started off having problems finding the plate and then having a hard time with hard contact and missing backs. But communication with David Ross has made has been great. I think there's that's the reason we're able to work through this so well. We still, he still has trust in me. He knows that I can, what I can do. He has obviously seen I'm doing what I can, what I can to get back and right, make the pitches I need to make. Me throwing, me, sorry, me knowing he has the trust in me helps me helps me out a lot. Sorry, me was used a lot of that. I'm going to figure it out, and he knows that. So uh, obviously the confidence is still there for Kimberl and that's nice. Obviously David Ross isn't going to just abandon this guy. They know, <laughs> he knows the Cubs have him on this roster for a little bit now, so you have to find a way to make it work. Hodevi was saying that the key for him right now is to be able to be a little more unpredictable, show that he can throw that pitch for strikes, continue to work on command in both of those pitches, and hopefully start seeing some better results, referring to his fastball and and knuckle curve. Um, So hot Sharma's thoughts is that he feels like it's the arm angle, of the arm slot for for, uh, Kimbrell here. He says his velocity and spin rate are still above average, and his velocity has continued to tick up since that first outing with the Cubs. Um, So the problem with... His pitches right now is he is just kind of getting predictable. So when guys are ready for that curveball or looking for that pitch, they aren't quite swinging at it. In those moments, he's just being too predictable. In those moments where he's ahead and counts, so like we saw a couple a couple nights ago against uh, Franchi Cordero, even though he struggled, he did trick him or fool him here a little bit with a with a curveball coming in a two zero count like. He just has to start doing those things. We saw Quintana have a lot of success early on with the Cubs doing things like that, pitching backwards a little bit, it's called sometimes where you start guys breaking or slow stuff and then bring in the heat. Um that could be an option for Kimbrel. Um I, I really just feel like it's his location. He's just gotta figure out what he's doing mechanically to to continue to repeat that motion and and find that consistency. So so how does put it like this? He's being too rotational. Kimbrel's arm slot naturally dips, as Hotovi says, that impacts every aspect of the game. Velocity, spin, command. Without correcting that, it's hard to envision Kimbrel getting back on track. If his direction is corrected, the arm slot naturally follows suit, which leads to better release point, and all the data shown above suddenly looks like it's supposed to. So in this article, Sahadov put out for The Athletic today, he goes through a lot of uh, Kimbrell's velocity and how it's dipped consistently for a while. His spin rate has kind of come down a little bit than where it was, and all those things are kind of uh, a... Are- kind of the repercussions of him not getting in that right arm slot, that three-fourths arm slot. Um, when he starts coming over the top a little bit more, um, his stuff just it must be easier to see for hitters. On top of that, it's it's not quite moving the way it has before. So it's easier to pick up what pitches are coming out of his hand. So it's probably a, a tell for some batters that they're seeing these things. So if Kimbrell can start finding that correct arm slot, Sahadov and apparently Tommy Hodevi think that everything will kind of slide back into position for him. You hope that's the case. We saw guys like Jake Arietta, who when he started getting his arm slot correctly, pitching from the correct side on the mound for him, uh, just getting into Pilates and yoga and things like that, strengthening that core, being able to repeat that delivery over and over again. Um, it's key. And you see guys like Arietta who was able to perfect it for, you know, a season and a half, maybe about nine months of baseball. And at that point, he was easily the best pitcher in baseball. It can happen sometimes, but then it can quickly disappear because these guys get older. It's harder to stay in that frame. It's harder to repeat that motion. It's ultimately just takes more effort for you to be able to do that over and over and over again, because your arm is not meant to throw a baseball overhand. <laughs> That's why softball pitchers can throw that ball so hard sometimes because your arm is meant to rotate backwards, not forward and over the top. So, it does get harder. And Kimbrel's 31 years old. He's getting older. He's been doing this for a while. It's hard to continue to have success, especially when you do just have those two pitches. And it doesn't seem like the Cubs are necessarily focusing heavily on trying to get Kimbrel to develop a third pitch, even though he was talking about a little bit during spring training and then uh, the summer camp before this season got on underway. So maybe that's something that they work on and bring out later. But I think for the moment right now, they're probably just trying to simplify everything for Kimbrel. And realistically, if he can get these two pitches working well and sync with and playing off one another, that's all he really needs, because he's only coming in at the ninth inning. He's only coming in for an inning of work to end a game. That's the plan. If he can continue to to work on staying in an arm slot, get that motion repetitive, fix these mechanical issues. It looks like the numbers support that he should be able to get back to where he was a couple years ago before we started seeing a lot of these struggles. So. The Cubs are optimistic. kimbrel has got a great perspective on it. And it sounds like he really does appreciate having a guy like David Ross in his corner. So, I mean, it sounds like all the parts are there. It's just whether or not Kimbrell can figure this out in time to where the Cubs can really use him. You hope so. The Cubs could, uh, be really nice to, to have the hall of fame closer pitch like a hall of famer. But, you know, at the same time, the bullpen has seemingly figured out who they can lean on, at least for the moment right now, guys like Jeremy Jeffers, Rowan Wick, Kyle Ryan, to an extent, um, Dan Winkler has come through a little bit. Casey Sadler, those seems like the guys that will probably get the ball 7th and 8th inning, and then hopefully Kimbrell can pull himself into that ninth inning role, but that remains to be seen. However, that is the rest of our show today. Remember to get the show today. you need to subscribe to Lockdown Cubs and whatever podcast app you use, whether that's Google, Apple, Spotify, TuneIn app, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, wherever you listen to your podcast, make sure you subscribe, leave a five-star review. If you have any issues with the podcast, make sure you reach out to us at LockdownCubs at, at gmail.com, or you can DM us on Twitter, Cubs, or DM me at John R. Sears. And then make sure you check out the latest episode of Lockdown Fantasy Baseball, hosted by i believe it's taylor blake who hosts that show tell your smart device to play the most recent episode of lockdown fantasy baseball after this episode of lockdown cubs but thanks for tuning in to your guys's daily cubs podcast enjoy the rest of your day and as always go cubs